That drinking is sponsored by Side Project Jerky. Order yours today at sideprojectjerky.com. Dad drinking episode. Who knows at this point? Actually, I do. I do. It's episode twenty-five. Wow, season two. Really, really doing a great job of keeping it consistent. I'm Marcus. I'm Jim, and we've been dads since '09. Long fucking time. Long fucking time. So, Jim, what are we doing tonight? We are recording live another field trip at Prohibition Tap Room at 13th and Buttonwood in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And we have a very special guest tonight. Please welcome Ben Wank from Plowman Cider and Three Springs Fruit Farm. And Ben, where are you located? Sure, we're in Adams County, Pennsylvania. Uh, biggest town is Gettysburg. It's about 120 miles west of Philadelphia. That's where we have our orchard, and we've been farming for 200 years or so in my family. And we're drinking some cider tonight? We're drinking some cider, yeah. All this, right. And, and the brand of the cider is Plowman. This is your brand, correct? Right, yeah. So I, I um, founded Plowman Cider uh, about two and a half years ago at our first release. And yeah, yeah, we've been uh, making our way around Philadelphia, selling it to folks, doing farmer's markets ever since. And uh, how'd you get started? So, so give us a little, little Ben Wank backstory. Fam- family business? Yeah, so um, all this stuff that we've done with Plowman really originates with farmer's markets. Um, it's still an awesome incubator for any kind of food-based business. And it all started, we, we were doing a head house farmer's market. We've been original vendors there since 2007. And I'd only had, ever had woodchuck cider. And me and my dad stopped and had a cider after market one time at what was the Dark Horse. It's now Cavanaugh's. Okay. And um, we had a Strongbow, the original formulation, and that was what kind of sparked my imagination. Like, at that point, I'd only had, like, woodchuck and, and stuff like that when I had the Strongbow. Really kind of, oh, well, this is something we might be able to, to do sometime. So, so that's interesting. My, when I heard we were going to do a cider episode with you, I was pretty excited because, for me, um, cider was something that I was first exposed to as woodchuck, as uh, Red's Apple Ale, as Wicked, whatever those things are called. They're very sugary not really my style, but I've had some good, quote-unquote, good ciders and more artisanal, crafty ciders recently. I thought they were really interesting. They're also getting a lot of press with Alex Delaney from, what's he from? Bon Appetit. Yeah. I, I make him say it because he's extremely jealous of that dude. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> uh, but Alex Delaney, he's one of the cider boys. <laughs> he loves <laughs> cider. And I thought, That's interesting. I'll, I'll check that out, you know, and um, how do you guys, I think it's probably very common that people have feelings like me about they're not necessarily interested in something super sweet or, uh, you know, mass marketed like an, a Reds. Uh, how do you guys deal with that when you, you have a product that's extremely different? Right. It, it is a struggle. I mean, um, typically those products are made with concentrated water. You know, that the, the main differentiation with what we're doing is we're making full juice cider. We're starting with apples we grow ourselves. 
and we're really trying to let the apples and the things we grow on the farm take the lead and provide all the things that a drinker wants to have in a beverage, rather than taking ordinary apples or, or concentrate and getting like a blank slate and then starting to throw stuff at it to, to, to make it a more interesting beverage. So you, you let the kind of apples lead rather than kind of, you know, adding shit in to... <laughs> yeah, I mean... The, the, so you, you want people to kind of come to cider. You don't necessarily want to bring cider to the people, I guess? That's, for the most part, yes. It's, uh, and, well, you know, you know you have a good product, I guess. I guess that's what well, I'm kind of getting what, at. Is, so so there's, there's cider made in different ways for different folks. And, you know, for us, like, because we have the orchard, you know, we have a direct link to that raw ingredient. And that allows us to do some things that other folks don't have the ability to do. So, you know, in a, in a common situation where you don't have an orchard associated with your cider company, you're kind of going to be in some ways dependent on what an orchard will provide for you or, you know, in some cases, just whatever apples are available on the street, you know, and, and that doesn't always mean that they're suitable for, for cider making, same as Thompson seedless grapes aren't suitable for wine making. Right, right. Yeah. So that's interesting. When you say... The, the mass market stuff uses concentrate. What kind of apples create the concentrate? Could it be anything, or is it more things that we're familiar with from the grocery store? It it does change. It does vary. Okay. Uh, from what I understand, companies like Angry Orchard and Austin Eastside are actually source their concentrate from overseas, and they are using uh, what we would call cider fruit, bittersweet, bitter sharp apples, oh, really? in their concentrate, um, which does provide a more interesting beverage in its finished product than if you were just taking, you know, what we would call packing house calls in the in the fruit business. The stuff that couldn't make it into the grocery stores, juicing that, taking all the, the water out of it, making it concentrate, and then rehydrating it later. Um, if you're sourcing that concentrate from the United States, it's going to be pretty ordinary tasting concentrate. And the uh, internationally sourced concentrate is going to have a lot more character to it, generally speaking. So what kind of apples do you guys use typically in, in your products? And how is that different than the stuff that Marcos buys at the giant food store? Sure. I don't buy giant cider. <laughs> Good man. Um, generally, and I alluded to this a little bit earlier, like generally... Apples what are you be, talking about? We've never spoken to each other before we. Well, no, 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 no. I, I, so I brought up the term bittersweet, bitter sharp oh, okay. apples. Okay, yeah, I don't want you to pretend ago. like we're not doing this. <laughs> yeah, 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 removing the fourth wall here. <laughs> you know, um, but no. So I, I use the term bittersweet, bitter sharp apples. Generally speaking, grocery store apples are going to be sweets and sharps. They're going to have sugar. They're going to have acidity, um, and not a whole lot else. When you're talking about what we refer to as cider fruit, you're talking about bittersweets. Bitter Sharps. We've planted about six acres of those Bittersweets and Bitter Sharps to use in our cider making. The trees are still young. The beverage we're trying right now, Churchyard, is actually the only thing that we've released with that cider fruit as of yet. Wow. Um, we're hopeful that if it doesn't rain all the damn time <laughs> in 2019, the way it did in 2018, that we can make uh, more cider like Churchyard, but uh, the weather will actually prevent us from making Churchyard we won't be able to bottle that in 2019 based on weather conditions. That's yeah, because it's rained basically every weekend since September. Oh, since July. Yeah, I mean, it's, July, it's, yeah. been, it's made life miserable for us. So, um, so when we have access to those bittersweets and bitter sharps from our farm, that's our first choice. 
uh, in what kind of what kind of cider does that? I'm sorry for breaking no, please, this down, please. but what kind of cider does a bittersweet bitter sharp mix? So produce? so like, like for the mouthfeel and the taste and all that. Right, right, and the reason that that fruit is so special and treasured among those of us who make cider the way we do is because of the presence of tannins. So okay. tannins will be like, same as like that thing that makes your, your mouth fuzzy when you have a black tea or a big California cab. Like apples have tannins, but it's just the apples that nobody's heard of because they're never going to be on a grocery store shelf. Right. You don't want to, you know, have a refreshing tannic apple in the morning. For no, breakfast. no, 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 no. Quite honestly, <laughs> um, like you have to be a real like apple nerd like me to bite into a bittersweet or bitter sharp apple and get any kind of satisfaction out of it. Fundamentally, what I remember when I, when I, whenever I eat these apples, it's like you bite in, the sugar dissolves on your mouth, you end up with a lot of bitterness, and it tastes like eating wet cardboard. Okay. Which, <laughs> you know, but that's, that's... Some people are into that. Yeah, not yeah, many, yeah not many. <laughs> um, but that's what makes this cider fruit unique and it's what it makes it so rare is there's no secondary use. Like, you know, if I have, uh, you know, 100 bushels of John of Gold apples, I can sell them at farmer's markets, I can sell them to wholesalers, I can sell them to make cider, I can make unfermented sweet cider, I can make juice, I can make applesauce, I can make pie. That's a versatile apple. It can, it's a, it's, it's a, it can do anything. When you have a bittersweet or bitter sharp apple, you can turn it into alcohol or you can grit your teeth and try to consume it fresh. But you're not. You're only gonna like one of the two can results. You, can you give it to your horses? You could. Yes. Yeah. Do, it, they, do they like those? Um, not as much as the other ones, yeah. but <laughs> but if you're a horse or especially a deer, which is something we deal with on the farm all the okay. time, like uh, an apple is better than no apple. But you know, when given the choice, it's actually interesting. Uh, the the deer will actually they're able to perceive which are the sweetest apples, and they will walk past all of our cider fruit. They walk past all of our Golden Delicious New Yorks until they get to the Asapa Spitzenberg trees that have 24 bricks on them, which is the, the highest sugar content of any apple we've ever had, any apple we've ever harvested. The deer know, and they'll walk, they'll walk past 20 rows of trees to get to those, those sweet apples. Those goddamn deers in their pallets. Yeah, they're, 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 they're very insightful. You know, they, they can detect all these things without, with, before they even bought them the first time. They, they can tell That's which amazing. apples they want to eat. So yeah. regarding these single-use apples and regarding the churchyard, which is what we're drinking, give, sure. us, give us a breakdown of, of the churchyard. I'm, I'm reading the back label here, but uh, I feel like you would do a much better job explaining what we're drinking here. Sure. So, again, th- these are the apples that came from our cider block, uh, the three greatest, uh, the, the apple varieties and the greatest portion of the blend would be Asapa Spitzenberg, uh, Wixen Crab Apple, and Dabinet, which is an English bittersweet. Um, so there's probably, I guess, another nine or ten different varieties that constitute this. Okay. Because, you know, the block is so young that it's like, you know, we can pick those as, as varieties and the rest, it just it all gets commingled because, the, you know, the, the, the yield is so low. Um, so we took those apples, uh, we fermented them to dryness, we matured them for about a year or so um, because those those uh, apples that have the tannins take a longer time to mature and then we did a bottle condition finish on it so it's naturally carbonated intentionally hazy it's what we call west country style of cider which which would be common in like uh, Somerset in England so you're taking your cider cues from England I guess 
For the most part, yes. Uh, we're very fortunate. Our cider maker, uh, Edwin Winsler, studied uh, cider making with some excellent cider makers in the west of England okay. for about 10 months back in 2017, and he's bringing a lot of that experience back. Yeah, well, this is, this is absolutely wonderful. I love the, uh, the light carbonation. I, uh, I got blue cheese on the nose when, I first, when it first poured, but I love that funk. I mean, that's yeah. just like really like something that I really look for in a beverage. What do, what do you think, Jim? I, I was going to say the, the cheese and apple dish is kind of what you get, right? It's like an interesting combo. Um, I, I didn't get the same stinky blue flavor, but, you know, I, I, uh, I thought it was amazing. And I also liked as it warmed up, it, it kind of took a different profile. It, yeah. it became different. And, and we are using, because uh, you guys know I love glassware, yeah. Uh, we are using uh, stemless wine glasses to, to sample this. And so what what temp did you say again? I mean, what temp do you... Uh... Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Having never How discussed you... this before. Right, yeah, so um... <laughs> what temp do you store this? One yeah. take, folks. Right, right, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like drinking uh, our ciders at kind of a cellar temperature. I mean, you know, by and large, you can and kind that's of... 50 degrees Fahrenheit? Yeah, about 50 Fahrenheit. You know, think a lot about drinking cider the same way as you would a white wine. Um, fundamentally, cider is made very similarly to wine. It's sold like beer, which is a, a whole other discussion, a whole other issue we can get into. Um, but, but yeah, um, it's, it's that, that I prefer it at about 50 degrees. And when you have a stemless wine glass like this, the ability for your hand to warm the beverage... And especially when you got a, 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 a cider that has some complexity, such as Churchyard. We were drinking some Eden earlier here at ProTap, too. Another great example of a cider that's going to change as it warms up, uh, just based on the apples that are being used. So talk about that, that wine versus beer versus cider and kind of where, where you fit in. Um, maybe maybe we discuss kind of cider having its own little moment at the moment. Unless yeah, we're not ready for that. I, I actually thought you were going to talk about, ask him about natural wine, because you're so into natural wine these days. Well, I did stop by the 320 market the other day. Ah, and, ah <laughs> that's, that's the place to do it. That's but I, have, I do. have been listening to Natural Disasters, which is a podcast about natural wine. Oh, I'll have to check um, that out. I, I feel like it's definitely the new craft beer. Well, yeah, it's it's. I have a, a great appreciation for natural wine, and and you know I think a lot of our ciders can have some appeal, and not only just ours, but but any any cider that's going to be you know kind of farm based, using unique fruit. Oftentimes, cellar decisions in those places are going to be made using wild fermentation. So we we do plenty of wild fermentation. Churchyard's a great example. That's where some of those like kind of more funky cheesy yeah, notes are coming I love from. That. I love that. Um, we do a, a single varietal stamen wine sap. Um, really, it's, it's a product that just has stamen wine sap apples, and we just let it ferment on its own yeast and came back and added bubbles and bottled it. Um, it's a very traditionally made product. So that's basically a natural wine. Same thing. No additives. Right. Add the bubbles or whatever. It, throw it in a, in a cask and let it go. Yeah, that, and that's that's like for me as a lifelong Adams County resident. So my my family's been in the same half mile radius of Adams County, Pennsylvania for 200 years. We've had a 200 200 years. Damn. So I'm the seventh generation of my family to farm in that part of the world and. And the exciting thing for not only me, for 
But for other folks who are making cider where, where we get to live, you know, we've had a commercial apple industry for 150 years, and these wild yeasts have been co-evolving on apples for all this time. And we're only now discovering what they're capable of. Like um, organizations like us at Plowman, Big Hill Cider Works, also in Adams County, like we're out there putting these wild yeasts to work and seeing what they're made of, and it's pretty exciting, to be honest. That's crazy. Yeah. It's very interesting. Oh, and that's what I witnessed in England, too, having traveled there twice, like in, in, uh, you know, Herefordshire, in uh, Somerset, and the places where cider's common in the U.K., like, they're using their own apples, they're using native yeasts, they're not doing any temperature control, and they end up with this beautiful, holistically made product that's very low intervention, and, and... part of our goal as an American cider industry is right now we're using some of those same varieties they have, but those apples are very uncomfortable in the eastern United States because it's <laughs> so different from those long, gentle, you know, kind of mild summers they have in England. So I'm going back and other folks of our ilk are like saying, well, what are the American varieties that we need to, to have to make cider in such a straight line, such a low intervention kind of way? And that's yeah. the real challenge for like, you know, next step of orchard-based cider making. What what varieties are gonna adapt well to our environment? So you're you're picking new new fruits, new well new varieties, not new fruits. Right, yeah, yeah, new varieties for us, but mo- most commonly old ones. Yeah. You know, uh, we're looking at different red flesh varieties that we can make cider rosés from red fleshed apples. We're looking at uh, varieties that were mentioned in passing in texts from back in the early like 20th century or even before the, the turn of the century. And bringing them back, um, putting them in our orchard and see what they do in Adams County climates and figuring out what's the, the most... So, so I, wanna, I read something today about Adams County. I didn't realize that here in Pennsylvania, it's one of the top five counties for growing apples to have orchards. And I guess of the top other four, it's mostly Washington State, which you'd figure, right? Yeah. And then New York has a, a county in the top five, I guess, too. What is it about the, the land there that makes it so perfect for growing these different varietals? Sure. It's a couple things. Um, the first answer is the soil we have okay. is deep and well-drained. Um, a lot of our soils are kind of silt loam. Uh, kind of a deep uh, soil profile that that the the roots of the apple trees can penetrate deeply and be well anchored and have access to nutrients and and plant available water all the time. Okay. So that's the most, that's principally, all of agriculture is about soil. Like, we all owe our very existence to about six inches of topsoil and the occasional rainstorm. Okay. And I I can't drive that home enough for, for the listeners. Like, agriculture is a pretty important thing and we're all relying on it, so... Um, it's important to conserve soil. So, yeah, so, so, but what is, you mentioned earlier that the rain is really, really affects it. Is that, does that affect the blossoming, the, um, the reproduction cycle of the plants or what? Well, yeah. I mean, this is not, this is not dad farming, but you know, <laughs> I think it's important to touch the roots. There's always, there's always the offshoot <laughs> opportunity. Dad farming sounds like a great podcast. Well, my, my, my father would love to do an interview with you guys dad anytime farming. you ask. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's way into it. Well, so I want to come out and take a tour of the farm. I oh, want to see, anytime. does the original farmhouse still stand from yeah. 200 years ago? Well, the original farmhouse from 200 years ago is actually a neighboring farm at this point. Okay. But the house I just moved into um, has been in our family since about 1901. So okay. 
Uh, we're just moved in and settled in there now. That's excellent. Yeah. Um, but to, to finish the thought about Adams County, the second thing that makes it so conducive to tree fruit agriculture in our part of the world is we grow on all these hillsides. So if you ever come to visit, it's like this, this beautiful sweeping hillside, same as what you would see in like Napa Valley or anything like that. And that air drainage protects the blossoms and allows them to, to be uh, fertilized and pollinated by bees without them being fried by, by cold temperatures because all that cold air is gonna go down to the creek bottoms and, wow. and, and, and drain down those hillsides. So um, yeah, I, I invite everyone to come out. We, we have our Pennsylvania Cider Fest every year on the third Saturday of June, right there in Adams County. Field trip. Yeah. Oh yeah, please come out. It's a, it's a wonderful time. Uh, it's all Pennsylvania cideries and uh, no large like national brands. It's very, very much uh, a Pennsylvania thing. And we've had perfect weather for three years in a row. We're hoping for more if you guys <laughs> pick that. So um, yeah, but you guys will see, like that's, that's what makes Adams County unique for, for tree fruit agriculture. Those sloping hillsides and the fertile soils that, that everyone in, in our community has been you know, stewarding so carefully for, for 150, 200 years now. All right, so so if we had to ask you to pick your favorite cider right now, what would it be? That we've made or in general? Obviously that you've made. <laughs> that we've made, okay. Yeah. But, that... but that, that's, that's kind of, you know, we want to talk about Plowman ciders. Sure, but sure. also, if there's something that's even better than anything you've been able to make yet, sure. we'd be happy to listen well, to that Well, I mean, so, some of my favorites are, are ciders that, that, are, that use that bittersweet and bittersharp uh, fruit and to me that's that's the gold standard for me um, the, just the complexity the ability to, to have that bitterness for a balance and what you're able to do with sweetness and acidity that, that bitterness is such an important third element of, uh, of cider drinking that um, I mean we're trying Churchyard now this is probably my favorite thing that we've made and it's just based on uh, you know the fact that I'm an apple nerd and, and I, I appreciate what those cider apples provide to a drinker and so of the things that we've made Churchyard's my favorite um, but I've had plenty of amazing ciders from other parts of the world and here in the United States that use those cider apples and knockouts so, so I read a lot because I love the history stuff right? sure um, and what I read amazed me that apparently there were people, uh, well, there were apple trees in Egypt in 1500 BC, basically, right? Yeah. So it's it's an old fruit. It's prol proliferated all over the world, probably because it only needs good deep soil and some wind protection or whatever you call that, wind yeah. ventilation. Yeah, air drainage. Air drain. Yeah. Um, but, but they also, so apparently the Greeks and the Romans were really good at fermenting apples in 55 BC. And when they conquered England, they realized that everyone was already drinking it there. So they don't know exactly when it started, which yeah. I find amazing. But there's, I, I think that you mentioned this earlier, either on podcast or off, um, <laughs> revealing our secrets here. Sure. That there's really no, there's really no history in the U.S. commercially of the, right. of the cider. But in your travels and in your experience, what do you think? I know you like the English, but how does the English compare to the French versus? other types of cider that you see out there. I mean, we've done an episode on the Calvados, which is not exactly the same, but it is a, you know, apple, sometimes based, stronger drink. Right, sure. Right? But, but what's, the, what's the differentiation in the European versions of cider? Yeah, so those are the places that have had, like, a continuous 
culture and appreciation for cider over a long, continuous period. Um, and traditional a- apples originated in Kazakhstan at the, the southern... Nice. At, <laughs> very nice. So, yeah, no, at the southern tip of the Ural, <laughs> southern tip of the Ural Mountains. And, and uh, my understanding is uh, apples were cultivated um, from there along the Silk Road in early trade to places like uh, Greece and Rome and, you know, the Roman Empire. Um, but specifically to parts of the world that have a history in cider, um, you know, certainly the, the, the English cider makers are, was the original inspiration for me. Um, and, you know, their cider has been, uh, you know, it's, it's the largest cider market per capita in the United States. So there's more cider drinkers in, in England than any other part of the world. Um, and they, they've had their own varieties and their own history around cider. It used to be part of people's uh, compensation. Uh, part of your wages were paid to you in cider if you were, if you were a working man or a plowman, as yeah. the term was originally okay. used. Um, you would receive part of your compensation for your day's work in the field in the form of cider. Um, that continue on for a long time. Um, so they have a, 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 there's kind of two styles of cider made in England. There's a scrumpy style, which is a very rustic farmhouse style that when it's good can be really good and when it's not can go a little sideways and okay. get very like kind of too funky kind of. It's, it's like when the young home brewer tries to make a sour beer. Yeah, yeah. And it just winds up tasting like socks. <laughs> it can, and it it's can, brown. Yes. It and can, it's upsetting. It, it can go off sometimes, um, but the, the, the best ciders that I've had in England are among the best beverages of any description I've ever had. The scrumpies? Less the scrumpies, more... Um, I'll, I'll kind of give a shout-out to my friends in Herefordshire. Those, that can be a very territorial thing, the yeah. Somerset folks and the Herefordshire folks. I'm kind of a Herefordshire guy. Okay. That's... that's and, and uh, you know, certainly Herefordshire Perry as well as is, you know, next level stuff. Um, if you're able to find some Perry from Herefordshire, you've done yourself very well. So, so you're talking a lot of inside apple baseball here. What's a, what's a Perry? So a Perry is, you know, a, a cider that would be made with pears broadly. Um, you know, we do have things called pear cider here in the United States. They're generally made with dessert pears. Can be a very cloyingly sweet beverage that I myself don't care for. That there's certainly a place for that, but it's not. Not a big fan of of, of sweet. Yeah. Like, yeah. So like even like like all the commercial shits like just way too sweet. I love the cider that's incredibly dry. I'm a big Spanish cider fan. Yeah. Actually. Well, yeah. Let's we can jump onto that. So Perry, you we'll know, go back per- to the Perry. Yeah. So Sorry. yeah. So Perry, um, traditionally made with Perry pears. Um, and those that's, for the, that's the name is Perry Pears. Yeah, Perry yeah. Pears. Um, you know, they're going to have tannins, same as bittersweet apples and bittersweet and bitter sharp apples. You're going to have bittersweet pears and bitter sharp pears. And they have some really provocative names. <laughs> we can talk about cider apple names and Perry Pear names. Like, like gin and butt are two common English Perry Pear names. Yeah, uh, a butt pear? Butt pears. Okay. I'm a butt pear man. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. like. <laughs> it makes Everyone some, who knows so, me knows that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the word on the street. <laughs> He's a butt pear guy. <laughs> but yeah, so um, so Perry, I mean, and, and uh, Poiret, as it's called in France, they have a number of varieties that are unique to France that make really good Perry. 
Um, fr French cider tends to be uh, you, made with a unique uh, fermentation style called keeving that uh, is, uh, you know, as, as those of us from the culinary world know, like there's all these French techniques that are like very detailed and it's like excessive and and, and and the words are just made up. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, it, it actually just turns out that it was just boiling water. But <laughs> right. So I, so typically, like a, a French cider would be keeved. So it's gonna they're gonna like do this very elaborate method of of stopping the fermentation while there's still a lot of sweetness left in the beverage, um, which was the way that you would make a sweet cider before there was any kind of additives that you would add to to produce a sweet cider. So um, that's, that's kind of the tradition in France. When you get down to uh, Spain, uh, the two regions of Spain associated with cider is going to be Astorias and the Basque region. My understanding is that uh, the tradition of cider began in Astorias and was later adopted by the, the, the Basque crew. Okay. Um, and those ciders... <laughs> They're, they're very unique. Um, they're all wild fermented. Uh, they're generally served still and then poured from a height. Right, it's called what? Throwing cider. Throwing right? cider, uh, which will uh, temporarily give them a little bit of uh, effervescence and also breaks up some of the volatile acidity that is common in those ciders. So you get that, like this kind of vinegary VA kind of thing. They're very sour. Yeah. yeah. So the, what's the one you can get here? Issa Stegi? Or Sara Solar, the two ones that I've had, yeah. and they taste like they taste like a really good sour beer. They're yeah. super dry, and they're super funky. Um, but you really, I tried that that whole thing of throwing <laughs> the cider. Most of it landed on the kitchen floor. But. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty lousy at it too, <laughs> to be honest about it. But you know, and that's a great example of you know that cider is made there because that's what cider wants to do in that environment. That's how it's produced at ambient temperatures in Spain, where it's warmer, as opposed to England, where it's a more kind of gentle, uh, like mild summer. And so these are all examples of like traditionally and holistically made beverages. And, you know, not accidentally, the Spanish ciders go with all the great foods that people are familiar with in Spain, like tapas menus and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and sure. British ciders go with like cheddar cheese, which is literally right there in Somerset, the very same place. That's awesome. Yeah. So speaking of food, um, I know you have a lot of connections with the local Philly food scene, right? And you've been pairing up with chefs, no pun intended, right? Um, but what kind of what kind of food do they serve, or what kind of food do they pair with your ciders? Um, it really depends on what kind of cider we're making. I mean, that's that's a cool thing. It's like you can. You can make cider for, with, with all kinds of other ingredients as well. For us, we try to base most of those from the farm. But, you know, another example of a cider that we make called Muiba, which is a collaboration with us and uh, Sate Kampar on in South Philly on East Pasadena. Oh, yeah, because they do the dinners, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so we came up with that collaboration cider right as they were rolling out that charity dinner series. And, you know, that's a product that we aged on Macroot Lime Leaves specifically to pair with... You know, the with food. Angie's food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can you can really get into that level of sophistication with it if, if that's your choice to do it. And yeah. you know, as as somebody who kind of came from from that you know the the culinary side, the, the the kitchen side, like that's been something we've been eager to do. 
and you just recently did uh, dinner with Hungry Pigeon, yeah, for the Pinot Gnarly release? Yeah, the Pinot Gnarly We should start drinking some yes, of that, actually. actually so, yeah. so real quick, so we've been talking a lot about other people's cider, um, and we've been talking about the churchyard, which is what we started with, but what else do we have here with us tonight that we're drinking from Plowman? Sure. So we're we're gonna crack open this Pinot Gnarlet next, which is a uh, uh, folks call it like a cider rosé. It's it's really a cider on the skins. So it's uh, aged on the skins of Pinot Noir uh, grapes that were grown right there in Adams County. And uh, so it it offers a lot of the, the characteristics of that red wine, but also has like the backbone of the cider that we're trying to use. So. Uh, you know, this is, you mentioned blue cheese. This is actually my favorite cider for blue-style cheeses, um, just because some of the the subtle funkiness of this beverage cancels out the, the more overtly funkiness of a blue cheese, and you just get this, like, buttery creaminess to it. It's really nice. So, I have a question for you. Sure. If, I, I suspect a lot of people that listen to this podcast don't know obviously as much as you or even us about cider if you're a beginner and you yeah. want to learn more about cider obviously there's there's tons of options out there yeah. but what should they do to get a good range of, of different types of ciders to try I'm talking about you know something that's clear and crisp to something that's more amber and, and funky sure well I mean the first thing is if you like a sweet cider and it makes you happy, you keep drinking that cider and don't be ashamed of it. You know what? Sure. Like, you know, like there's a cider out there for everybody. If you latch on to something that um, that's your thing, you know, roll with it. Maybe try something else from the same producer or, or, or you know, branch out into uh, some, other, some other local producers as well. But, you know, really it, it's, um, it's, it's one of those things where... It, it's, it's easy for me to talk about, you know, the orchard-based ciders as, as, and I think that there's an appeal there that, you know, we talked a little bit about natural wines and stuff like that. There's an appeal there for, for craft beer drinkers and natural wine drinkers to latch on to something that kind of has a little bit more providence to it. Um, but for the most part, like, just, I, I all the time run into folks that say, well, I'm not a cider drinker, it's too sweet. Yeah. And, and that's the... That that's was me. The, you know, that's honestly... That was this dad right here across from me, man. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> well, you know, and, and that's something that our whole industry struggles with. Like, you know, I'll pour for the folks at DeBruno Brothers, for example, where we, we sell some bottles there. And folks are saying, well, I'm not a cider drinker. And I, I know they drink white wine, try right. whites, because yeah. they're there to buy cheese. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, well, why don't you just try this? It's free. I'm handing it to you. It's not going to cost you anything. Like, oh, well, this is great. I didn't know, you know... So we have those experiences where we're, like, converting people who claim to not be cider people into cider people all the time. But it's just, you know, folks out there that are interested in cider, you know, find, find your local cidery. You know, if you're in a city or if you've got, you know, a farm near you that makes cider, like, it, there, there's a wide range of ciders out there. There's definitely something for you. You just have to, you know, look what, know what to look for. And, yeah. And if, if you're disappointed by the sweetness level, if you find something that has some good farm-based providence to it, you know, no one's going to go through all the, the big effort of growing a bunch of really cool apples and then throw a bunch of sugar at it at the end. Yeah. That is pretty wasteful. That's not going to happen. 
So if, if, if you're disappointed by the sweetness level specifically, you can find a farm-based cider that'll probably suit your needs. But if you like a sweet cider, you go right ahead and keep drinking it. It's, 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 it's all good. No, no sweat. I like that. <laughs> Diplomacy. <laughs> Trying here. That is so great. So, wait. You, I was just going to say, sorry. I think it's the time of the night where we ask our, our favorite question. Don't you? Well, we haven't even gotten to tasting notes on the rest of these ciders here. Okay. We'll try, we'll try <laughs> some more. I've been actually sampling these as, as Ben's been talking. So. Well, and I, I do just want to highlight this Pinot Gnarly because it's one oh, of yeah, the exactly. best things I've ever drank. Actually, it's probably the best thing I drank since the last time we recorded. That's excellent because I was just going to say this is my favorite that we've sampled. And I think there's four bottles up here, and I've now tried all four secretly while you guys are talking. And, I uh, tend to ramble. I, I, I get it from my father. I, I, I mean, you come by it honestly, and you, you, have a lot of, uh, you have a lot of passion for this, which makes it exciting to learn from you and sample this stuff. And I, I think the Pinot, for me, is the best because it has an, more of an earthiness, at least, to what I'm yeah. tasting. And I almost got a, a, like a hint of a smoke or even like a tobacco. Uh, flavor, which is weird, like a char almost. I love the fact that it it has a wine, like it tastes like wine. Like yeah, it, it yeah. really does taste like the best rosé you'll ever drink. Because even those rosés tend to have a little bit of sweetness, like unless you're, you know, getting a really dry one. But this is like everything I want in a rosé. Like a little bit of fizz, like great acidity and great dryness. And I think the color is just like beautiful. It's like just screams summer day. You know what I mean? I love it. I think it can be more of the versatile than just summer day, too. It, but it is tasty, and I like it a lot more than any rosé I've tasted. So I'm a, I'm a cider convert, officially. Ah, that's and good. That's what we want to hear. I'm excited. Absolutely. Are you excited? Oh, <laughs> mix, mixing in the dad jokes. You gotta, so you, I, thought, I thought I was bad with the Kazakhstan joke. But, I mean, I still probably win that, that one. It's, it's all on brand. Don't, so, don't sweat so can, it. Can we, can we talk about the, I don't even know how to say this, the Lapulin Lummox? Yeah. It looks Lup- like it's hopped. Yeah. So, so this is this is one that you guys did do, add, add some stuff to, some adjuncts, they call it, right? Right, yeah. Uh, so you How know, did the, you hop it? So, yeah, we dry hopped this with Citra hops. Um, we tried a bunch of different hops, and we kind of settled on Citra as something that you know, we didn't feel like we needed to make a hoppy cider because there's lots of hoppy drinks out there. Yeah, and tons. this and this one to us like doesn't have the bitterness of a hoppy drink. It just kinda has like like the citrus notes of like fresh cut grapefruit. And then we did add a little bit of residual sweetness to this just to make sure that the hop aroma wasn't overwhelming. It wasn't the too grassy or something. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. Exactly. I really liked this one too. I thought this one was um, this one, to me, tasted more like in the beer category, probably because of the dry hopping and the pa- the packaging looks more like a beer, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I know you can't see it, listeners, but it does. <laughs> it looks like a large uh, large format beer bottle. Um, but it's 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 really tasty. I just, I'm excited to come out and spend the night in Adams County and, and check it all out. <laughs> you know, it's actually, it's interesting. Like, we definitely thought about uh, developing a hop cider as a way to kind of maybe appeal to more craft beer drinkers. But in the time since we released this, in just two and a half years, so much of the craft beer like mentality has gone to like these big, sweet juice bomb IPAs. Yeah. And it's like now it's like, well, 
we were really hoping that you guys still like bitterness in your drinks, and no. So, so I love it. I'm, I'm a piney, bittery guy, yeah, so I yeah. really enjoyed this. I thought for sure over the winter you saw a bunch of brute IPAs come out where they yeah, were trying sure. to make drier, hoppier beers, and they sat on the shelves until, like, May. That didn't take. Not at all. I thought that was going to be the trend and where everyone was going drier, but unfortunately for me, it's still unfiltered, hazy, orange juice flavored beer. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, all of, my, all of my craft beer people have gone very, like, you know, juice box sweet, and so now I'm really looking at, like, well, maybe our best inroads are natural wine drinkers or, yeah. or, or folks who, who like that kind of thing, because you know, we're in a position like uh, cider is still kind of like batted back and forth like a ping pong ball between beer and wine, right? We want to get cider to the part, the point where like everyone acknowledges that it's its own thing. Right. We don't have to it's compare a, it to entirely, one or the other. It's its own angle on the triangle. Yeah. Right. It's, it's its own category. Yeah, it is. It's its own category. It is. It is a category that right now is about 1.5% of beer. Wow. So, and our whole our whole national industry is really pushing hard to someday be two percent of beer. That would be a landmark achievement for cider at the present time. I mean, point five percent is probably a lot of cider, though, right? That's a lot I of mean, cider we got to sell. Now, when you when you do the math, <laughs> does that does that bring in big beer like everybody? That's like, a, that's all beer. Like sold. all beer. Okay. Yeah, for every one hundred beers sold, cider is accounting for less than two right now. Yeah, but we're pushing forward. So speaking of, of metrics now and the comparison between beer and wine, what what is what are these what are these ciders clock in at ABV wise? Are we closer to beer, closer to wine, right in between? It's it's right in between. Um, and again, that's we talked a little bit about you know made like wine, sold like beer. Fundamentally, like when we make ciders from our apples, which are high in sugar, we ferment them the dryness. We end up with a, a dry product on the shelf that converted all those sugars into alcohol. We end up at like eight, eight and a half percent. It's like a session wine. It, it, I there never it is. thought there it is. There it is, Jim. Okay. Just, clearly, we need cider. To get, the need, session wine. We're, I'm going to elect this man for the board of USACM, our United States Association of Cider Makers. That was a stroke of marketing brilliance that we could all benefit from. Here on Dad Dream. <laughs> right so here on All 47 <laughs> of you. Sponsored by Side Project. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Buy some session wine and some side project pair, jerky. Pair it with some, some jerky. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Pork and cider, actually, a very good pair. Yeah. Good. yeah. Well, yeah, like apples, right? Yeah. Pork and oh, apples. Yeah, I love it. Dude, pig roast. Dad drinking pig roast. We could line yeah. that up. Featuring, featuring, featuring the plowman and the pig. The ciders of plowman. All yeah. of the lovely ciders. So, and then this this last one. So this actually. This showed up in an unlabeled bottle with some <laughs> kitchen tape on it. Rich, if any of you remember our unfortunate, uh, well, fortunate, but also unfortunate Fish House Punch episode, um, things that come in unlabeled bottles are usually pretty dangerous. Is this, <laughs> is this also very high ABV, or is this it, okay? Uh, it is not a, a session wine. It is an actual wine. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> awesome. so, th- so this is a product... Um, you know, we, we do a little bit of wine, um, mostly for our farmer's markets. And um, we had a, a pet gnat that we released called Jules that used uh, local Adams County Vito Blanc. And we essentially split the batch in two. And we did pet gnat style uh, on the one, and we did an orange wine with the other. So we have 
Jules, and this is now Vincent, which will be released here pretty soon. So an homage to Pulp Fiction, yes? It is, yes. All right, so <laughs> let's back up just a, a, a quick a quick moment for all my Miller Light drinkers out there. <laughs> what is a pet nat? Oh, uh, petulant naturel is um, also called method ancestral. So it was like a naturally carbonated uh, wine that... Um, typically also is, is uh, wild fermented, so it's going to be hazy wine, it's going to be kind of this funky is farmhouse. And <laughs> this is unreal. This tastes like a Session Isla Scotch. Actually, I was going to say it has a peat to it. Yeah. It's peaty. I actually, I get, I get toffee on the nose. Okay. I mean, this is... Marcus, I'm really, I'm really like, shook that you're, <laughs> you're quick... Uh, heel turn to a wine drinker. You used to never be into yeah, enophilia, and now you're basically in love with wine. I can't believe it. It's probably because of Alex Delaney. <laughs> Natural wine boys. Natural wine boys. No, but, but seriously though, I mean, I I actually I've I've been conflicted with with beer as much as I love it, and as much as I love what's happening with beer now, like. Yeah. I'm almost kind of getting a little bored. You're just a little old. You're a little, a little more daddy than you ever were before. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But I, I will say that this is this is incredible. Well, this thanks. Is, it's this is the Vincent or this is the Jules? This is the Vincent. This is the Vincent. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the Jules, it being a pet gnat, it having some bubbles, a little bit more uh, effervescent personality. This one's a little bit more staid, a little bit more. Uh, that is stupid good. Oh, thank you. It's, you know, it's it's and a, not just because I'm way into natural wines. <laughs> well, it's for it's, the record, I know nothing about natural wines. <laughs> I shop the labels. <laughs> All right. You're a sucker for that. Stop being <laughs> so mean to me, Jim. Yeah. Jim's being mean to me tonight. <laughs> Anywho, that's kind of our thing, right? I guess so. Yeah. You could be a little nicer. Yeah. We have a guest. We do, although I haven't. I, at least I haven't brought up. Ivy League. Uh, or, you just brought it up. No, but until or, now. Or footwear. You just brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think we need to wrap it. Yeah, we do. We got to go what kind of dad drinks cider. And I, and I got to say, I don't have an answer because there's so much. It's, a, it's a, as you said, a whole category. So like, that's almost like saying what kind of dad drinks beer, what kind right, of dad drinks right. wine. Right. It's, it's incredibly complex. I mean, I had no idea really what the um like the the world of cider like it's like it's it's massive and it's it's awesome to have somebody so close by although two hours isn't that close by <laughs> but I'm, I'm in town enough but i it's but i yeah that's true um so and i, I do i really appreciate you coming out sure do we sure. have any fast casual questions uh-huh. or do we not come up with fast casual questions i did not come up with any fast casual questions does Ben, have any fast casual questions for us? Hmm. That's a... Should we, should we pause it? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, actually, Ben, so what, what type of dad would you say drinks cider? Who's, who's the dad that's coming out to Head House week after week, buying bottle after bottle? Well, yeah, so that, I mean, you know, a, a plowman drinker is probably a farmer's market dad. Ooh, I like that farmer's market. <laughs> so you know. Um, now, does this farmer's market dad wear 
Birkenstocks, or does he wear? <laughs> That's okay. So, 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 yeah. Farmers he, market dads do come in different stripes. Yeah. I would say we we get some Birkenstock, like more kind of crunchy granola type of farmers market dad. But I would say in large, we're more boat shoes dad. He's um, pointing at me because I am wearing boat shoes tonight. <laughs> Summer's right around the corner. You got to break them in. I mean, I was a, I'm a convert to cider. I might as well start wearing my boat shoes now too. Uh, that's that's different from yacht rock, Dad. I want to differentiate those two things. I don't really see a lot of Duran Duran in the playlist of my drinkers, but maybe I'm reading them wrong. I um, I, I would listen to Rio and and take back without a doubt. Throw back a bottle of this with, Pinot with Gnarly. the Pinot Gnarly. Yes. Yeah, white blazer. <laughs> Fuck it. All right. I'm down. All right. Well, that's. All right, you know, so, when you so put it farmers that way, market I can dad, it. Yeah. but there are there's nuance to the farmers market dad. There is right, so it's it's broadly I think that would categorize them well, um, but you know generally right now it's 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 you know probably first kid maybe thinking about a second kid kind of dad. Um, so, so you're saying he's a dad who's who's tried something new, he's got yes. the hang of it, he's confident in himself. And he's going for something even more challenging. Yes, and I think I, I think, like that. I think these dads are maybe on the verge of. Like, we don't have any cider nerd dads out there yet. Like it's really rare, but I think we can get some going. Like if 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 they think about cider the same way they would think about like natural wine and stuff, we can get them there. Yeah. But we're not there yet. But you're leading them to the water. Yeah. I try every day. Yeah. So how? <laughs> How how are you doing that? I guess I guess question one, um, as as we wrap this up. We're fast casualing now. Yeah, you know what? Let's Let's do it. Here we go. Let's do it. Let's fast do it. casual. Yeah, so, yeah. First thing that comes to mind, but really just kind of a little more information about Plowman, sure. Cider in general. So, how how has business been like kind of since its inception? I know you've been very well received in Philadelphia. Everybody loves you. You're a super nice guy, um, and and you really are incredibly knowledgeable about the, like cider in general and really your own product. So, I mean, does that just translate? Like people are just like, just give me all of the cider. Uh, I wish it was that easy. It's, it's uh, for a beverage the, made the way that we make it. And to be fair, like I, I, I tend to, to nerd out too much on it. And sometimes that does separate me from the lay drinker. And our product can be a little bit Harder. I mean, it's not a product that's ever going to latch on at like a dive bar, you know. So I do have to pick my spots. Yeah. And we're so thankful for the spots that get what we're trying to do. Like Prohibition Tap Room, right? Prohibition they, Tap Room. They, is like, a, Tuesday okay. nights, like tonight, they have a they have a special event featuring cider, right? Yeah, it's it's to my it's one of the longest running cider promotions I know of in the city. It's fried chicken, gluten free fried chicken, I might add. Um, wow. From local Lancaster County birds. I don't even get paid by them. Um, no, but it's seriously, it's, uh, it's fried chicken and cider night. Um, the staff here is so incredibly knowledgeable about cider because they pour, uh, you know, I'm not saying this because they have ours. I'm saying this because, you know, we just had, you know, two Eden ciders and the Shaxbury on tap here. They, they really are very selective about the ciders they pour here, and um, the staff knows how to talk about it. So if, if you're looking for a place to, to start nerding out about cider, like anybody who's behind this bar, ProTap, they can lead you. They can lead you to... Including us now. That's yeah, right. We are behind the bar. 
at Prohibition Tavern, Thirteenth <laughs> yeah. and Buttonwood. That's right. That's um, right. I got a quick fast casual for you. What's yeah. your What's your favorite TV show right now? Oh boy! I mean, so we're we're what? We're six days away from the end of Game of Thrones. I knew you were so. going to say Game of Thrones. And man. you know, it's you like you got a Jon Snow hairdo oh, right well. now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was looking like the Hound about three weeks ago, but I finally was able to get into my barber. You know, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I, you know you're invested in that show, and at this point, I think most of the people I talk to are just like, oh, it just ended already. I mean, it's 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 been a good show, but it just I need to find something else to do on Sundays. Um, well, speaking of which, Barry's been great. You know, we we. Barry's Barry. an awesome show. Barry is hilarious. I've heard very good things about it. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> oh, get into it. Oh, get in on that, man. Come on, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm behind the eight ball. I'm just getting into natural wine. Natural wine's like <laughs> was popular two years ago, and I'm just getting into it. Yeah, there you go. Nat, natural wine and Barry Sundays. Once the dragons are gone, you can you can like hone in on that and switch gears. <laughs> switch what's gears. on your uh, What's on your Spotify playlist? Oh, um, uh, uh, recently a lot of Volpeck uh, and Fearless Flyers. I've been way into those guys. Those Who's are this? Wolfpack. They are okay. they are funky Homo sapiens. I recommend them really? if, if you are so inclined. Um, really excited about them. Uh, Tyler Childers. I listen to a lot of his stuff. Um, On the way down here tonight, Marcus and I were listening to Chuck Darwin. Chuck Darwin and the Knuckle Draggers. Yeah, those yeah. those bums. <laughs> yeah, why would you listen to that stuff, huh? Those guys <laughs> kick ass. Um, I, I love bluegrass. Oh, thanks. Yeah, so that's that's uh, another thing that I, I do whenever I find the time. Oh, you know those guys? Uh, yes, <laughs> I do. I do. I, I will not disavow myself of my own band. They are <laughs> they are me and I am them. And uh, the, my buddies, uh, we, we have a good time. And it's been actually really fun. Like, we, at this point, get most of our work from either the beverage industry or the or the, the, the farming community. So, well, so since we've been doing this podcast, i got to say, pretty much every guest we've had has some type of musical talent or artistic talent. So it's like Dan Endicott, the guys from Pistolas, rapped for us. Uh, I will not be able John to sing Adams. as good as Casey Parker. There's no <laughs> chance. I will not even try. John Adams played guitar afterwards with you. What? Yeah, um, yeah it was, and even, even uh, Varney. Varney played a little guitar, too. What? Uh, oh man! Yeah. So, what is it? What is it? Do you think? Last fast casual from me. Maybe Marcus has got more. But what do you think it is about the food and beverage industry and, and art that go together so well? I mean, it's an appreciation for creative things. You know, like when you're willing to put yourself out there and create things, whether you're making a plate of food, whether you're writing a song, performing, uh, making a beverage, like inventing bitter sharp apples. That as uh, as we often do. Yes, that's a very good example. Um, you know, there's there's a vulnerability there, but there's also an appreciation for someone else's artistic capabilities. And so um, it's amazing how often those things overlap, and it, it, is, it is pretty cool when they do. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, that is a wonderful fast casual to wrap this thing up. Yeah. Um, ben, we cannot thank you enough for bringing down these wonderful beverages, uh, taking the time. I understand you have a two-hour commute home yeah about two hours ten we'll see how many times they close down the turnpike to <laughs> to do uh, road work that's been the bane of my existence on the way home these evenings um, but uh, tell us where real quick before we wrap this up where can we find you on social where can we find you physically and uh, where can we find you on shelves too yeah sure right. um, so kind of the, the main Instagram that I'm using for 
everything, including random restaurant check-ins, would be at Three Springs Fruit, which okay. is our is kind of my personal and our farm's Instagram. Is three spelled out, or is it the number? It is the it is the number three. Okay. Uh, three Springs Fruit um, at Plowman Cider. Uh, great way to keep up to date with. Uh, Events and plowman is that with a W or a U G H? That is a U G H. It is the the British spelling, as in plow, plowman, as in plowman's lunch. Got it. Um, so yeah, and you know, there's there's obviously a lot of places in town you can find us. We keep our website up to date, uh, www.plowmancider.com. You'll find all the places that are um, available. I had to mention a, a couple certainly here at Prohibition Tap Room. They've been a big supporter of ours. Every single bottle that we produce is also available at Ball Bar East at, uh, on, on, in Fishtown on Frankfurt Ave. And um, we have a, a, a tap line at Royal Boucherie, uh, so you'll find us on tap there all the time. Phenomenal. Um, good spots to check us out. Actually, I can see, I can see this going well with oysters. That, yeah, so they're actually running a summer-long promotion with the Pinot Narlet and oysters. Rosé and That's oysters all summer long. Prohibition tap room. Phenomenal. You, uh, we have some, oh, I'm sorry. Royal Wisherie and also put, Yeah, we have tap some room. Uh, listeners outside of the Philadelphia yes. area, actually, surprisingly. Oh, great. Is it available outside of PA or no? Yeah, all that's on the website. Um, Mainline uh, Beer Yard is a great place to get almost everything that we make. We're also in D.C. Nice. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. A lot yeah, of D.C. fans We, we can self-distribute in D.C., so you can find us at... Uh, Reverie Restaurant in Georgetown at Glen's Garden Market at Odd Provisions and Eat Peach Market. Are you at Calvert Woodley? I don't. Maybe yeah. I maybe I should. Yeah, it's a cool place. Oh, Sorry. cool. Yeah, we'll I'll check it. <laughs> and actually, and, and Central Pennsylvania and out to Pittsburgh now as well too. So. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, we wish you nothing but the best, and we really again cannot thank you enough for coming out. Uh, we'll be drinking a lot more cider, probably. Yes. I think maybe it might be the summer of cider. I think it might be. Actually, I'm going to bring this to the shore and see what happens. But while we drink, you can check our stories at Instagram at Dad Drinking, on Twitter at Dad Drinking. You can find uh, Marcos at Fidel Gastro. You can find me at JF Cosgrove 9. But, but he won't accept your follow request. Not even from me. Uh, I might from you. <laughs> guess, guess I have, oh, I have allowed okay. all right, inside. All right. <laughs> it's basically a family photo album. It's not interesting. That's oh, one of the okay. reasons. Like, okay. I come off as like super cool on this podcast. <laughs> obviously. Oh <laughs> and, yeah. And, uh, and I, like, if you saw my Instagram, it's just like pictures of kids. I'm a dad <laughs> at heart, right? Against the dad drinking. Again, so, very on brand. <laughs> yeah. So I just don't think it. I, I also don't want all you creeps that listen to see what my kids look like. But. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> That's a joke. I love all you guys, especially Stevie. <laughs> Steve, no, S. Keith J. Yeah, wow. Stevie J. Yeah. S. Keith J. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What's up, S. Keith J? We miss you. Um, well, I guess that's it. We'll, uh, we will sign off from Prohibition Tap Room. Yes, thank you. I hope you guys uh, can actually hear this. We look forward to hearing your feedback about the live shows and the field trips because this might be something we do more of. Right. One more time. Thanks again, Ben. Ben, thank you guys.